Well, we are continuing on our Lenten sermon series and going through the gospel according to John. And right now we are in the upper room with Jesus and his apostles. And it's a very intimate time. And Jesus is preparing to depart and leave them, as he has indicated before, as they were heading towards Jerusalem, in fact, three times. And now he's intimating again and trying to tell them that he's leaving them. And it's an interesting time because, on the one hand, there's been modeling and there's teaching and there's prayer, and it's a very special time. And if you know the timetable, at the end of chapter 13, Judas had departed, so it's really those who trusted in him and believed in him. And so it was that very close-knit group of apostles with him. And he was trying to prepare them. He was trying to prepare them for the immediate and also for the future when they would be persecuted. And he didn't want to hide anything from them. And as much as he over and over again had been trying to tell them that he would be leaving them and, in fact, would be killed, they just couldn't see it. They couldn't hear it. For example, they had just experienced Palm Sunday a few days before. When Jesus had triumphantly entered Jerusalem. And so how, how could their minds possibly go to the place that he was going to be departing or that he was going to be killed? They couldn't fathom that. Because they were on a roll. Things were great. He was going to be king. He was going to take his place as Messiah like everybody expected, expected the Jewish Messiah to be. Everything was going to be wonderful. And they were having this special time, they're thinking of preparation to be able to ascend with him. And yet at the same time, there's this ominous feeling in the room as well. And so it's confusing for them. And I'm sure on the one hand, some of them are like, we're ready to roll. We're ready to take over. Jesus is going to be king. And then there's the other ones. You know the type. You know, even though things seem to be really good, they're thinking the other shoe is about to fall. You know anybody like that? When things are really, really going well, I know it's going to turn bad. The chicken little type. The sky is falling. Or the other type in your life, the Eeyores. Oh, bother. The glass is always half empty. And they're always down. And my guess is there was that tension in the room. But there were those who were optimistic and there were those who were pessimistic and there was confusion and mixed emotions because you would think everything that was going on, particularly Passover time, that this was a great time. But we as the readers of John's gospel and those who know what's going to happen have a different idea. Because at the beginning of chapter 13, when they're gathered in the upper room, John begins with what is on Jesus' heart. 
That his time had come, the hour had come. That means the cross and the passion and his death. Jesus knew. It, on the one hand, was a special time because it was the time of redemption. Where he would go to the cross for us out of love for us. But on the other hand, it was a very painful time. And he knew. He knew what was coming. And so given that tension, kind of the elephant in the room, Jesus speaks into that and he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Well, that's a message all of us need to hear. Because all of us at times have troubled hearts. We have struggles. We have pain. And even if everything's going really, really well, we might have that fear that something's coming. Or even though everything or most things are going great, there's still trouble in the background, maybe with a family member or a health issue or finances. Those fears and those anxieties that can creep in. And so Jesus speaks to that. Whatever it is in your life, let not your hearts be troubled. And what he immediately says is the key to that. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe in God. God the Father. The Father, the term he's used throughout his ministry about who God is. But the way to the Father, the key to understanding the Father is to believe in me. That even as he's saying, I'm getting ready to go away. He's saying there's a way to deal with your trouble. And it's believing in God the Father. But the way you understand him, the way you understand belief, the way you come to him is believing in me. He goes on to say, if it were not so... What I've told you. In other words, would I lie to you? Would I mislead you? Can you trust me after three years of seeing my life? After three years of seeing the miracles of hearing me teach? Can you trust me? Can you trust who I am and trust what I say? And he's also planting the seed for the future when he will go to the cross for them. And then he would prove that he has power over sin and death and rise again. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He would go on to say, if you've. If you see me, you've seen the Father. That's a powerful statement. 
If you see me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because he is God incarnate. So when he says, believe in God, believe also in me, he's saying, this is what God looks like. My life. What I have been doing with you and for you and teaching you and loving you and showing you compassion and showing you the power of God. This is what God is like. And then he says this most powerful statement that we as Christians need to hold on to and we need to understand and has caused both the church and the world a problem. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. No one. Because he starts off by saying, I am the way. He doesn't say, I am a way. It's like I said last week, for those of you that may have missed it, when Jesus begins in the upper room and he washes the feet, and at the end of that time of washing the apostles' feet, he says to them, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. And many, many people in the world, in the church, are comfortable with Jesus being a teacher, showing them a way, being a model. But he is saying so much more, and Lord, and you are right. In other words, he wants to be the God of our lives. So when he says, I am the way, he's not just saying, I'm here to be a model for you. I'm here to be a teacher for you. Jesus is not here to be an it, a moral code. He is here to be the person by which we understand and come into relationship with God the Father in this person, Jesus Christ. He is the way. That's how we come to know God. In a personal way. What the people had seen over and over again was a way. The methodology of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The legalism. That was the model of religion and faith. And Jesus is saying, don't miss it. Faith comes through relationship. Faith comes in compassion, faith comes through me. Giving my life for you on a cross because you can't earn your way. You need a perfect sacrifice. You need a Savior. And you need a Lord. And I am your way. I am the way. And then he goes on to say, and I'm the truth. And we live in a day that people have such a problem with that. Because everybody wants truth to be subjective. That my truth is my truth and you can't question my truth because it's my truth. 
And if I feel it's my truth, whether it's right or wrong, it's still my truth. And I feel it, so it's truth for me. That's a problem. Because what they're saying, in effect, is there is no objective truth. But see, Jesus defies that when he says, I am the truth. And the world doesn't always want to hear that Jesus is the truth. The one who embodies the reality of God. The one who brings us into the truth of our lives, the truth of our need, the truth for how we deal with the challenges of life and sin and pain and struggle. He's the truth. When you hear so many other promises out there of what's true. Just like different ways are promised, so are different truths promised out there. But he is the truth. You know, you hear people sometimes will say when they're staring something in the face, well, I can't believe that. I can't believe my own eyes. There's an example. And therefore, I don't believe it, period. I can't believe it. I don't believe it. That's what they want. See, whereas Jesus wants to bring us the truth. You know, Jesus is the shepherd, the one who cares for us. He's the gate, John 10, that we go through. And that's when we come to the reality of the truth of our lives, the truth of our need. You know, and this is not just something that is in the New Testament. God was trying to convey this whole idea in the Old Testament. For example, Psalm 86. Let me read to you from Psalm 86. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. See how those are connected? Teach me your way that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart. See, when you're not sure of truth, you have a divided heart. And there's so many people today who have a divided heart in the church, let alone in the world. But when you understand Jesus to be your way and your truth, you're clear. And another psalm, Psalm 121, a lot of people misunderstand what this is really saying. It's a powerful, wonderful psalm. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where is my help to come. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. See, a lot of people think that's just about creation. What that is, it's called a psalm of ascents. When the people of Israel are coming to Jerusalem to worship, possibly for a feast, right, Gene? Or possibly for some kind of pilgrimage. But they're coming to Jerusalem to worship. And when they come, they see on the hills because of what's happened to the Jews and also because of the Roman infiltration and the Greek infiltration, all these gods on the hills. And the one who truly believes, who's truly coming to worship the Lord, says, when I lift up my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the God who made heaven and earth. Clarity. Truth. And Jesus is saying, I am that God. I am your God. You want to find truth? You come to me. 
And then he goes on to say, I'm life. You know, it's amazing. You watch TV, watch a movie, watch a couple shows, watch a sporting event. It's amazing how many different commercials promise you what real life is about. If you use this laundry detergent, it will change your life. You will discover life. This beer is what life is about. This car. Everyone will know you have life if you drive this car. And everything is temporary and temporal. Jesus says again in John 10, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And when he talked to Nicodemus about the most basic spiritual truth and need. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, in him, that personal intimate relationship that he was trying to convey in the upper room, will have life eternal. So that it's not just for this world and so many people live for the physical for the here and now, for the fun, the pleasure, the entertainment, everything now instead of what God has in mind. The now and on into eternity, abundant now and for all of life eternal. But that we cannot come to that understanding now. You know, all this goes on. He says all these things. And he talks about, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he talks about, believe in God, believe also in me. And Philip says, you just got to love this. He says, before Abraham was, I am. They've heard that before. Hey, Jesus, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Philip, you know, right over his head. Don't you know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But Philip says a key line. Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. If only Mick Jagger had read that. <laughs> there are so many people not satisfied in this world. They can't find satisfaction. They can't find contentment. Because they always want something different, something more, something new. And it's always about this life. And it's fleeting. 
Philip saying, I just want to be satisfied. That troubled heart that Jesus is talking about, that he's trying to address, that's what he's trying to say. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've come so that you might understand who God is and what God brings to you. The compassion, the love, the power, the peace, the contentment, the satisfaction. You know, if you've lived long enough, you've had trouble. You've had a troubled heart. If you've been in this church long enough, you've heard me talk about some of my troubled heart stuff. When my kids were teenagers, thank God we got through that one. The potential challenges with the birth of my grandchildren. My son being deployed. My panic attacks. I could go on and on. Most of us could. And the older we get, we usually do. But you know, I keep going back to the Lord. And he takes care of my troubled heart. So that I find peace every day. I mean, I really don't want St. Luke's people talking about their pastor as a basket case. But when we walk with the Lord every day, we have a place to go for our troubled hearts, for our anxiety, our fear, our pain. Every day. So that we can find that satisfaction and contentment, that peace, the fruit of the Spirit. Because that's His promise. And that's why Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And that's why he said, I am the way, not a way. I am the truth. Not just if you feel it. Whether you believe it or not, I am the truth. And I am life. And if you want to know real life, life that's filled with His love and compassion, His peace and His joy, and satisfaction when the world offers chaos, Then you go to Jesus.
every day. And you'll be satisfied. Let's pray. James 2.10, says, You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Because Satan knows intellectually who God is, but not in his heart. Head knowledge is not enough. It's believing in your troubled heart that's filled with anxiety and fear. And sin and struggles. Lord God, if there is anyone today in here that has a divided heart, has not been clear, open their eyes to the truth before them. That Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. That we come to you for salvation and eternal life through Jesus. That we come to know you as a God of compassion and grace and healing and transformation through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. That we come to you to be satisfied. Lord, this day send your Holy Spirit upon us. That we might truly know your Son. And be satisfied. And we pray this in his precious name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.